Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Nathan here with the Metaverse. Uh, today, we have a very special guest. We've got my friend Santina Mano, uh, somebody who's going to school in the same program with me. Uh, we saw each other earlier today uh, in this same manner through webcam. Uh, she has a lot to say about the topics that we're discussing, about society, about what's going on right now, the COVID pandemic, and how we're adjusting. Uh, so Santina, why don't you just say hi and kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, I'm Santina. Uh, I'm in a program, that's where I met Nathan at Sprott Shaw. And um, so I guess I'll start by talking about my week. Um, so we're switching to online classes and that's been really weird. Like this whole pandemic has completely flipped my life upside down. Um, so I'm just kind of trying to adjust to that, like switching to online school. And uh, I also got laid off. So I'm just kind of working through the paperwork right now to apply for EI. So I kind of have mixed feelings about the whole situation. Um, you know, it's just about kind of finding that balance again that I felt that I had before this all happened. Um, so yeah, that's me currently. Yeah, that's All a right. good, uh, I, I like that introduction, talking about just the different challenges you're facing today. That's a good way to kind of put it. Um, and that sucks to hear about you getting laid off with your work. And so let's hopefully we can figure out some ways as to how you're going to adjust to that, as well as like a lot of people right now are getting laid yeah, off or, or not working right? enough. People are losing cash. You know, I spoke to a friend the other day who's uh, manages a complex of low income and like they're having to push rent due dates. And I mean, that's, that's just a band aid, really like yeah. the, to push a rent rent date that doesn't solve the problem there. It's just going to progress even further, but we're going to get into these discussions uh, as we go. Let's first, let's listen uh, into Sean. How's it going, Sean? Why don't you uh, talk about your week? Uh, my week not that exciting like everybody else's week <laughs> um except like i'm trying to kill time trying to like uh be productive at the same time um like you you could you have to have your you got to deal with the mental side of things like being in quarantine all this time uh it, it has a mental effect on on how you're like you know lack of socialization has a really big effect on you so um so yeah. for me sean i feel like the socialization uh i feel like i'm getting more more socialization like like variety more people but obviously not in the same manner like it's a pseudo uh, uh pseudo relational experience because it's all through screens now right you can't uh as we've discussed how do you feel that that lack of, uh, you know, energy connection, we're missing now, right? Because through a screen, you can't you can't get the vibrations, the the vibes of somebody, and and uh, the the feeling that one brings through that kind of uh, interpersonal connection, even if it's through a few feet. So, how are you adjusting yeah. to that? Well, I'm kind of used to it, but like even even with me being used to, because like I'm I. Uh... I'm usually like an introvert. I stay at home a lot, but um I you know, you need you still need that physical contact. You still need to have like you know, get get close and get just uh have that touch, you know. Yeah, and even even I feel like, you know, the day-to-day, -day, the physical intimacy in the day-to-day -day, from like going grocery shopping or passing people in the street, it's uh the change now is like, you know, people are looking at each other almost in fear. Like if I get too close to you, mm -hmm. like you're going to hurt me. And I think that has a major uh, physiological and psychological effect on how people uh, operate with each other, but also how we're going to come out of this. Like, is that going to like be residual or, you know, have a residual effect? Are people going to come out of this and still like kind of have a hesitation towards getting close to each other? Uh, I think you know, like kind of the hope is the hope is that we find a cure 
as soon as possible. And if even if there's like some type of prevention, so people who that don't have it can't get it in the future, right? Like a like a flu shot type of thing, then I think that will take a lot of fear off everybody's plate. So, um, like all I want to do is just give everybody a big hug right now. Like that's kind of what I want to do, but mm -hmm. I just I just I, I was gonna say I've been like I been like craving a hug like i haven't hugged somebody yeah. in so long it's been like weeks and you can like feel it like physically like you yeah yeah just need a hug <laughs> just need a big group hug yeah no kidding well maybe in that sense like uh, people are at least starting to realize how important hugs are for themselves or like personal relations are you know some some people don't really uh take into account all the things we should be grateful for and one is the fact that we can be surrounded and get close and and uh be uh, physical or intimate with each other without like a fear of death essentially yeah um i was gonna say um about that like taking things for granted i feel like before i had you know, I have a fair amount of friends. And before it's like having the options there of being able to see everybody. Because like Sean said, I don't know, although I have a lot of friends, I'm still kind of like an introvert, like I prefer to keep to myself. So it's like now that the options taken away from me, because you know, the whole social distancing thing. It's like, I wish I didn't take that for granted before, because like, now I just want to see my friends and hug them and like, share a drink with them and uh you know that option's not even there anymore and it's like it kind of hits me hard sometimes and i think this is a good opportunity for us we talked about this on previous podcasts to do journaling gratitude journal uh write down mm -hmm. even if you don't have if you have a lack of something just be extremely grateful for what you did have previously so you can actually get that that feeling back again so I think it changes your mindset. It makes you feel better just writing down, I'm grateful for the physical contact in my life, even though there is barely any right now. And it's so. nice to know, like, all, like, it's not, although the option's not there, it's not that my friends aren't still there, right? That's another thing that makes me feel better. Like, we're all still in this together. We're all still talking online and stuff. But like Nathan said, it's just not the same feeling as I were to get if I were to, like, see them in person. So I, I just have a feeling uh, about this that I'm just worried people are going to become resentful, like that, uh, you know, I'm, uh, no, you know, it, it'd be the better of any option for people to become resentful. I think we've got a, a very high chance of people getting resentful because of all this going on, like this, this barricades, like you can't do this, you can't see these people, uh, you can't have these personal connections and what happens if you know if this whole covid thing just blows over like we are blowing it up out of proportion like personally i still don't know anybody who's been diagnosed with it i don't know anybody who's died from it like the numbers of death in canada are still very very low and i understand it's all about precautionary taking but i have a sense that the precautionary taking can make people go a little insane and resentful and uh, people might come out of this not gra grateful for their friends and not wanting to see them but even seclude more into themselves and and become more agitated with how things are going and how they don't really have control over things and everything that kind of associates with that yeah well everybody reacts differently but like I feel generally these days, like most people don't react well to being told what to do. So I think that's what is making a lot of people like uncomfortable because like they don't have the control, you know, that they probably are used to having. Like, you know, a lot of people are used to calling the shots in their own life, but um, like, you know what I mean? Now that that's gone, like a lot of people aren't reacting to that well, I find. Yeah, so even that, like, uh, I wanted to talk eventually, like, I don't know if we should go into it now, but this idea okay. of uh, 
politics and martial law and control, right? Like, so we're forced to do these things, whether it's for our well-beings or not. I mean, we can get to that. I think there's a lot of positive and negative uh, things to wade through when you make a major societal decision, like you're not allowed to see people, you're not allowed to go to work, uh, you're not allowed to make money or, or these different types of things. And um, people might accept it now, especially out of fear of the disease. But um, I think if people s- become less fearful of the disease, they're going to start becoming more fearful of uh, their the government's control. And, and what this opens up, like I said uh, before, this opens up the possibilities for a lot of government control. Like uh, yeah. throughout history, governments have taken control when pandemics happen, right? Like war is a condition for absolute power and dictatorship, right? Like Caesar never, never gave up his control because he continued to, uh, to war against the entire world because when uh, your nation is at war, you have to uh, get it. It just things function better. Somebody has like to step a, in and do something. Yeah. From like a military aspect and like a, um, not economical, but uh, a functional aspect. Things do work more efficiently uh, when one person is in control. When yeah, when there's order and structure and control. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't Instead have of, to you know, be an aggressive people, Yeah, well, right. Like, I mean, the perfect society would be a benevolent dictator. Like, that would be the perfect society. Um, but we'll never get one, right? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's kind of a general rule of society. And that's why um, uh, our governing system, I can't think of it at the moment, uh, uh, like uh, voting and whatnot. Uh, diplomacy? I don't know. Just Is it? Diplomacy. No, well. Oh, wait, uh, hold on, hold on. Come on, I got to think of this now. Can't believe it's leaving my <laughs> mind here. Uh, but just anyways, the way our government functions, you know, voting and having uh, members of parliament who make votes on laws and decisions and just the system, the way it operates, it's full of bureaucracy, right? Like there is so many people, so many moving parts, so many cogs that can happen by people disagreeing and not thinking this is a good idea or even partisanship, right? Like I, this might be a good idea, but because you're on the other team, I'm gonna vote against it, right? There's just so much going on within that um, that causes uh, a major cog in the operations of things. And that's why throughout history, Uh, people have given power to dictators to kind of go beyond that bureaucracy when it's necessary because it is more efficient. And so uh, a pandemic of any sort or like death rate, high death rate, uncertainty, fear of the other, like, you know, war and stuff like that. Anytime there's fear involved, people are going to be willing up, willing to give up their freedoms for something that's more efficient, for something that will keep them alive. And sometimes yeah, that's safety. what war does, right? Safety. And if if we keep separating ourselves from each other the way we're doing, I think people are going to start hating each other a little bit more because we're not getting that physical intimacy. And because the intimacy is still there, it's just online. And when you go online, like how many times do you scroll through somebody's Facebook or Twitter and just see something so stupid or something so hateful or something you just really disagree with and that kind of festers up inside you? Whereas Any, in, yeah. face-to-face, you don't really get that face-to-face because people are a lot more careful about what they say face-to-face because they get your reaction. They can see that you're upset with what they said or that you're angry with what they said. But online, there's just no bars. Anybody says whatever the F they want, and there's no repercussions because we can't see how somebody takes it. And we don't feel the hurt that we give somebody. And those comments and, and things like that, hateful things online, they feel like somebody's giving it to us face-to-face like uh, when I see something somebody targeting me with anger or aggression or or something online it it makes me feel the same way it does if somebody in person is upset with me and so we're kind of bottling in these uh frustrations and and sadnesses that we're getting from each other hatred and whatnot and I'm worried that that could be used as a political tool which is very likely because it, ha- it it's happened throughout history and humans are kind of dumb, right? Hopefully yeah. this, this whole internet age has really enlightened people to, to be able to see what's going on more in the world and 
and the fact that we can discuss conspiracies and stuff and we're not just we're not just spoon fed what the government tells us we all, there's also people commenting and saying like no what about this what about this yeah. and there's still the freedom in that which is good so hopefully people are utilizing that but i'm going to stop and take a break <laughs> talking i need a breath so somebody else yeah in on that well i was i was worried before all of this covid even happened just with the 5g technology Mm-hmm. Because I don't know too Didn't much they about something it. Something like that now? Didn't isn't that like a thing going on right now? Like kind of under the curtain, something's going on with five G. I I saw somebody post something on Facebook about how it's it's being accepted now in Canada. Yeah, they want to implement it, and yeah. you know it's not really being talked about because what a right. perfect time to implement it when there's yeah. a pandemic right. happening and mm. it's a yeah. distraction, right? Like it's a perfect opportunity for them mm. to do that kind of shit. Sorry. What it is is like it's like frequencies of mind control in my that's what I got the gist that's of. That's what you think? Yeah. Whoa. So can you explain that cuz I have no idea what this 5G is at all. It's frequency it's, 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 say it again frequency and mind frequencies of mind control. Frequencies of mind control. Like they can okay. they can it's it's a lot oh so they'll install like real kids so there's obviously normal radiation around us all the time from the regular like we have like 3g right now yeah yeah it's four it's 4g or lte yeah so that gives off radiation it is so i guess if it makes i guess what they're trying to get across is it's going to be more powerful maybe they can kind of like use the energy to kind of do some sort of mind control like i don't know if that's yeah if you watch this conspiracy videos that sounds really messed up yeah, I got to put I, that on the board. Mind control. Yeah, I try not to watch too many conspiracy <laughs> videos because it, you can you, you can dive down that rabbit hole too too far. Yeah, and then it just builds up so much uncertainty. You know, like uh, I don't know. There's there's a level of mystery and uncertainty in everything that we I feel like we can kind of accept. Um, but if you if you dive into that too much, you can just become so consumed over it and want to know all the answers. And you just kind of have to realize you're never going to know. Yeah. People are covering things up all the time or, or people are lying and stuff like that. Like, it's just, we're never going to know. So we can't like invest ourselves too hard on knowing everything. Sometimes reliable sources end up being unreliable. And then that kind of screws you up a bit too, because it's like, who are you supposed to trust? Yeah, and people might not even be lying, right? Like people get the facts wrong and people yeah. uh, kind of impose their own thinking and view of things into it, even though they might not be being dishonest. That means they're being dishonest with themselves, right? That means that they don't understand their biases and where their immediate attention goes to, but that doesn't mean they're they're outright lying to you or trying to be manipulative. Yeah, I see. They could just know, uh, they could just know differently, right? I see yeah, on exactly. your on your board there mental health. I wanted to kind yeah. of touch touch base on that because I I struggle with mental health myself. I have um I have schizophrenia, and I've had it since 2011. Uh, it was due to um a breakup, depression, and also smoking marijuana, and um the combination of marijuana and alcohol at the same time plus the depression severe depression really hit me and it just put me into a, like a trance and like i'm dealing with it now like i'm i'm pretty stable with my mental health i i'm on a medication it took a while it was a trial and error because doctors don't have the fix as soon as soon as they see you they're gonna try something mm-hmm. and as soon as it's not gonna work right away and then they try something else yeah and like i always right. i always like knew like antidepressants are never a good thing to be on because you become so dependent on them but like other drugs, other drugs for other things, some things you just have to take because you just you have to be on them all the time or you have to be. But like the, the goal is to be on them, but then to lower the dose so you're not on them anymore. But, yeah, I, but what happened was like necessary, right? And yeah, you don't want to become dependent necessary. on the on the drug. Yeah. But I like when I was younger, when they told me like to be on this medication for the schizophrenia, um. I I didn't pay attention to the directions too much and that caused me to have more problems in the future. So like now I'm kind of like permanently on the medication, but now I'm stable. I was I was like drinking alcohol and 
taking medication, which is not a good combination. Mm -mm. Um, now I don't, I don't do drugs. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do anything. I just stay at home, like in quarantine. (laughs) But, uh, um, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I remember your, uh, your super trippy story you told me about in the train. Um, Yeah. I'll, I'll save that for another time. Yeah. That was, that that was, um, that was, it was, it was a bad experience. I overdosed on medication and uh, I had a bad experience on the train, but it, it kind of enlightened me and woke me up to be like, okay, there's more than meets the eye of certain things. So like, I, like my doctor kept saying, oh, it's just, you just overdosed. And I'm like, no, it happened for a reason. And I know this, like there's a message that was, that was said to me at that point in time, but I'll, I'll get that in another conversation. Uh, well, I like that that uh, reference. There's more that meets the eye, you know. Like, I really do believe that, uh, you know. And I think consciousness ex- itself, uh, the the conversation we're having right here is a testament to that idea. Like, you know, uh, we are in the presence of some really un- unknowable mysterious and grandiose things that are happening and we're just so like i said before humans are just so stupid even the smart ones are you know have such limits in their abilities and what's going on and um and doctors too right like doctors like you say it's almost like a trial and error they don't always know i've uh, you know we wanted to discuss some of one of the one of the problems or yeah or where addiction stems from in our society a lot of it does come from poorly prescribed drugs from doctors and that's a major aspect of addiction that and you know not only that there's just i've got so many stories of misdiagnoses from doctors uh in in my family and friends that has caused a lot of pain uh yeah with people and um, like at first like I was actually addicted. I just want to cut in there. Um at first when I was diagnosed it was undefined. It was they didn't know what I had. They were they were trying to figure out if I was bipolar or if I was schizophrenic or I was just what do you call it manic or whatever and they couldn't figure it out. And like like I've never really had a moment where I was hearing voices until I overdosed on the medication that I was taking for the schizophrenia. So like, it kind of made me wonder like, why was I on it before it even Mm. happened, you know? So you were diagnosed with schizophrenia. What, how did they diagnose you with that? Like, was uh, it pre this, this experience? Did it, did they diagnose you with schizophrenia before this experience happened where you heard voices? Uh, no. We should know this Santina. (laughs) It We've was studied schizophrenia. It was on um it's because like my my behaviors like I was paranoid about things. So they they the, diagnosed um me. sorry to cut in, but I I I'm pretty sure that that doesn't like the hallucina- hallucinations they don't happen right away. Uh, it's a progressive mm. um illness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How old were you, Sean, too? Cuz I know age has a factor, right? Like it schizophrenia kind of hits at like 20 for most people and i think a higher proportion for men and maybe that's uh okay so then uh sean and santina just a thought on the paranoia piece right so it started to kind of it it started to manifest itself uh in your life through paranoia and santina you said like that's part of the progress like hallucinations kind of come later and so, yeah, you know what, Sean, this is like actually interesting that you brought it up because I like, you know, I've had, I was diagnosed with uh, moderately high, like generalized anxiety disorder and uh, major depressive disorder when I was like 15, I think, mm. but I felt, felt weird way before that. It's just a matter of like, I finally went to the doctors when I was around 15 and now that I'm in this program and I've learned about all these different mental illnesses and, you know, I'm the kind of person who's very inside my head. And I think about a lot about how I'm feeling because I don't know, I've never, like I tried antidepressants once and it didn't agree with me. So I've just tried to kind of pull myself out of it. 
every now and again. But ever since being in this program and learning about like schizophrenia, um, it kind of like resonated with me. And I almost got a little bit scared because I feel like I've gone so long without kind of properly dealing with my depression and my anxiety that it I kind of have this fear that it's going to manifest into something worse because I'm a very like I'm a very paranoid person and it's something that I have to constantly work on but I feel like it's almost getting worse and worse and like with this whole pandemic um it's really kind of exacerbated that and I'm like whoa like that's what I wanted to touch on Sean like just yeah the fact that you when you went through those paranoia uh experiences and Santino like you know now hearing that you can touch on this too like uh, the fact that a lot of people are possibly right now at this moment going through these uh thoughts and experiences and not exactly sure what to do and just also linking it to Santina, how you said at 15, you kind of, you took the initiative to recognize like, this is an issue and I'm going to do something about it, but that you felt it long before. And I think a lot of people. Well, uh, I realized it wasn't normal. I started to tell right. people how I was feeling and it's like, what? Like you don't normally think about like dying, like no, no normal 11 year olds should think about that. <laughs> but I think well, it's because. Uh, there was so much death in my family at a young age. I was kind mm. of forced to kind of like mm. grow up point. quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. so in this in this situation, then I think we've got a lot of people in their early twenties that are going to have to grow up quick, right? Like we're kind of forcing this uh, this uh, scenario of paranoia. Like I think that's. Uh, there we'll probably see in a, in in this uh, era we're going to see a spike in schizophrenia like we're going to see a spike in um, depressive anxiety disorders maybe maybe it's not exactly linked to the the pandemic itself but just that people are forced to kind of start thinking mm -hmm. about these things in their own life I don't know if that's for good or bad but uh, yeah I do think that this is a, a forced kind of reflection on, on my own weird tendencies, right? I definitely think there's going to be a big difference in the rate of like mental illness and suicide and all of that stuff, but we won't know the effects of this pandemic yeah. for years to come probably, but I definitely think it's going to have a big impact on mental well, illness. Well, I'm, I'm trying to monitor it. Like I am, you know, uh, yeah, they might not come out with uh you know all the statistics and stuff but there are ways of monitoring i'm i'm asking friends and family and stuff too like that's the thing i'm still meeting up with friends i'm still having discussions which is good because i've got a lot of connections you know i'm i'm an extrovert and i've been struggling with the fact that i can't go out on the weekends i can't go do activities with my friends i can't uh you know go to a restaurant yeah, go to a restaurant, share a beer with a buddy, like go to a hockey game or a concert. I've got right now I've got three concert tickets that oh. are up in the air. I don't know if I'm going to get to go to those shows. Like I'm a constant concert goer. Like I like social atmospheres. And um, so because of that, I've built kind of a network where I'm still getting some social interactions, but it's like I say, the pseudo interaction. It's not it's not the same. It's not face to face. These camera kind of tricks help, you know, I, I like to be able to look somebody in the face because we're missing so much context through texts and through phone calls, right? And I've always had bad experiences through uh, text and phone calls where like, I, I think half of my relationships broke up because uh, I'm just so ambiguous on the text and people don't understand what I'm thinking or saying and take things the wrong way. Uh, you know, there's so much context in what somebody says and how they deliver it that just doesn't get uh, said or understood through the technological barriers. Like we need that face-to-face -to, -face to get the full interaction with another person. And um, I'm wondering, I, I, all that is to say, like, I'm wondering about those who don't necessarily have the 
the connections like we do. So like, like all the technology just, that we have to connect. Yeah, yeah like so. Um, Shit, so I didn't think about that. in in Myanmar, where I went this last uh, this last summer for a trip, like uh, we made connections there. And one of the girls that I went with on this trip, like when we went to, we just delivered, you know, food, water, clothing. It was kind of like a, uh, just a a group trip to this to this you know struggling place of poverty. Like they're in the top fifty countries of absolute poverty, kind of thing, and she said to me this week that um, some of her contacts there, they are fearful because they are are not going to get work and they work to eat that day. Like you get fed if you work that day. And so if you don't work, you don't get food. Like, you know, we're over here stockpiling and stuff. We're over here talking to people through webcams, but in places where, um, they don't have modern technology, not only to combat the disease, to, you know, help in the hospitals and like help people recover. Uh, they, they also have all these other concerns, like being already at the poverty level. And I don't know, for me, it's, it's, it's very scary. Like I think a lot about the global aspect. Uh, one, one thing to consider is our personal, our community. But then the other is like these, these very poor communities that like we are very privileged here and that should be uh something to be grateful for the fact that i've got food in my cupboards like i can i've got at least enough nourishment i could survive you know people don't starve after a month of not eating like you can survive a month without eating so i could survive with the food i've got for like six months probably what's in my cupboards right now some people they've got literally no food at all like nothing yeah. It just makes it opens your eyes to how how grateful we should be, even though we're struggling. We shouldn't be really complaining about it, um, like compared to the rest of the world. That majority of the world that doesn't even have any technology. Yeah, I try to not complain. I try to just look at the effects, positive and negative, and you know, just being realistic with the negative. I think um, that's not necessarily complaining, like. And I wouldn't say I've been complaining. I'm trying not to, but I have been more stressed about things that are going on. I, you know, things are more uncertain. My life has been negatively affected in many, many ways. And so, um, as has everybody's, right? So that's just a reality. But we uh, do have a lot of things to be grateful for, and so we should be focusing on that, right? Instead of hoarding toilet paper and fighting with each other and aisles and stuff, and you know. I just, those kind of things really, that's the kind of stuff that scares me. Death doesn't scare me, but what society can do, like the hatred that can fester within people, that's yeah. what really does scare me. And that's that's something that progresses over time that eats into children. Like I think about our children in times like these, like they're not getting to play with their friends. They're watching their parents stressed, right? Like they're they're seeing them probably fight money issues and stuff like they're probably watching familial fights um they're they're not getting the education they need right they're not going to school like what parents are sitting at home teaching their kids they've got their own problems to deal with i got school i can't i can't be teacher to my child in the other room while also learning myself like this is why we have um government programs like public education um these you know there's just so much to it and i do worry about the kids like this is going to be something that's going to stick with them forever right like the the covid virus this is like this is bigger than 9-11 in terms of like where uh a tragedy hit in a childhood like that's something i can remember i still remember being in the car on the way to grade six sitting in the back seat when in the on the radio came the 9-11 story and yeah. my dad, I remember my dad driving, and the reason it stuck with me was because of him, his reaction to it. My dad wasn't a very overly overly reactive man. He's very rational. Uh, he was very deep in his thinking. That's where I think I, I learned most of my thinking from was him. And I remember his like his demeanor when that news story came on, that 9-11 was attacked, or uh, that New York was attacked, the 9-11 thing a terrorist attack 
and then when they said that the the CIA building or whatever got hit, no, the Pentagon. Yeah, when the Pentagon got hit, he was like, whoa, that is huge. He's like, this is like, I could see in his demeanor, this is a big deal. And so that always stuck with me. I remember getting dropped off at my school, grade six, back of the car. Kids are going to remember this, that's for sure. Um, You're talking about rent and how it's it's becoming an issue with families and how people are getting into arguments because they can't pay the bills. I don't know, like I, I pay my parents, so I'm not that in like this situation, but I know I sign a petition on, on people paying like, so they don't have to pay rent. I don't know how long it's for. I don't know the details. Like what's what you guys, what's your situation you guys are in? I pay rent. I mean, I don't pay rent my, cause I'm, I pay for school and stuff myself. So my family pays for rent, but like we rent, and uh yeah basically like the we basically just get by every month but now my parents are kind of like oh cool because like with this whole pandemic thing um the landlords kind of have to like be easy on us like they're not allowed to kick us out during this time um so that and they have to be like lenient with us if we you know uh are a day late for rent or something like that so it's actually kind of made it a little bit easier i guess on us as opposed to you know like fighting and stuff like that so you don't have to pay rent at all for the uh a majority like how long you know no like you do have to like we're not going to take advantage of the fact that you don't have to pay it right away but what i'm saying is like so usually if like like one time we were uh a few dollars short my parents didn't realize they were a few dollars short and it bounced back and the landlords were like okay you have to pay extra even though my parents went in the second they realized it didn't go through and they paid it again they still charged extra well if something like that were to happen again they can't do that like they're not able to do that like it's the the laws have completely changed for now i guess until this is yeah that might be it might be due to the influx right like the the fact that um what's is everybody gonna kick people out like because the landlords themselves are getting um less stress from the government about having to pay their mortgages on the places that they're renting legally they have to be more lenient on the renters themselves because if they're paying less why should we have to pay what we yeah so the problem with it though is that it's 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 not that they don't have to pay like from what i've heard uh the the banks are um allowing mortgages to go a little bit you'll eventually have to pay it back, right? Yeah, like it's, it's not that you don't have to pay it, but they're giving leeway. you more room. Yeah. But the thing is, though, it still builds up and accumulates, so it kind of yeah. does end up screwing you over. Because, like, for example, with ICBC, yeah. you can hold off your payments for 90 days. So then come that 90 days, you just have to make three payments all in one. So it's not really... I wanted to talk about also, like, visa debt and stuff too, right? This is, like, uh, what about people's visa debts? Is the government going to sub like subsidy that can is there going to be a deferment on um on interest like that's a visa is a high interest rate and a lot of people rely on it uh and i think we're going to see a lot more debt coming out of this like you yeah. know uh, well, the I, banks I can... are just going to get so much more power out of this kind of thing whereas i feel like our government should force the banks to take a hit to say you know, like give two months free rent for like free mortgage, two months to everybody, something like that, right? The banks can handle that kind of thing. I think most families can't handle debt, but banks can handle two months of, okay, uh, you're not going to pay our debt. They've got like, they've got like a trillion dollars in their They don't though, funds. because the money that they have from everyone, it isn't just sitting in the bank. They invest it in things. So it's not actually there all the time. Yeah. When you need it. That's why they have put a limit on everything. Cause now everyone all at once trying to get this money and they didn't expect for that to happen. So that's why they've put a limit on everything. Cause not everyone's money is just sitting there, right? It's invested in things. Yeah, that's right. And, what were and you the stock say? markets and the stock markets crashing, right? Like investments are are not working out right now so a lot of people are the big that's the thing too like i which i should you know also think about in what i'm thinking regardless of letting people off the hook for mortgages and stuff banks are losing money out of this like big 
big institutions and companies, it, when the economy comes to a halt, everybody loses money, especially the rich. Like in a situation like this, the poor are losing the little need that they have, but the banks and the the big rich people, they're losing millions of dollars. I'm used to being broke. I can handle that. But yeah, I can see <laughs> yeah. you're saying how all these rich people are probably like freaking out and all these people who are relying on, you know, putting their money into stats and stuff. Like that's why you don't do that. It's kind of stuff. Um so yeah. like the mortgage payments, I I hear if you go on like some bank's website, I went to one of my bank, I'm not gonna mention the name, but you can you can get a like an extension on your on your mortgage uh or your car payments as well. You can get they'll just they'll just take away three months and then just add it like you pay it three months later. Yeah, yeah but pay I'd rather three months pay later. It first than have it build up of three months it's payments. That's the thing is we're just when when we're deferring payments, we're just pushing the problem to a later date. It's it's kind of an ease of mind for people right now, but that it comes to bite you in the ass eventually. Like if unless people are gonna get it, some yeah. kind of Yeah. Unless people are now I mean, no matter what, people are losing money. That's just what it comes down to. And debt's gonna accumulate. I do really think this is just a bad economic uh thing gonna happen at all so this is this is part of what i'm kind of building this board for like so i'm trying to like you know uh, don't don't take anything i say and assume anything from it like i um i feel for anybody who's dying in this pandemic who's being uh, you know susceptible to pain and and the virus and grief and all those kind of things but does the isolation piece, considering all we've said about mental health, about the economic struggle, does social isolation, like, is it justified to reduce some of the deaths that we are to see? Like, is it justifiable? Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of positives and negatives about that idea. Like, well, let's, we don't want people to die, obviously. But at the same time, if we create... I think they do want people to die. I think they do want people to die. But, but the social <laughs> isolation piece is specifically meant to keep people from dying from the disease. But what, what isn't like... But if you're going to weigh it out, death through the disease, which would be a lot higher for sure if we kept the businesses running, if we kept people going to work, more people would catch this disease and die from it. But if you weigh it, the long-term effects of the social isolation piece, is it possibly worse than the fact that more people will die? Like, so the we, know, thing is we, know, we know the disease first, I just wanna say, we know the disease won't wipe out humanity. Like that's not gonna happen. The rate of overcoming it, of people catching it and healing from it is quite high. It's in the nineties. Like that's not, that's not great, you know? it's something to be afraid of if you were to catch the disease but it's not like this is something that's going to wipe us out so weighing all these kind of things yes we want to preserve life but at the same time we don't know the effects of social isolation yet it could be a lot worse than the fact that uh maybe an extra million people die like and i'm not taking that i'm not saying that lightly like i don't want to see a million people die but uh we don't really know what the effects are going to be and is this even going to prevent that like uh, you know will this social isolation actually prevent people from getting it like is it not just prolonging it just like the deferment of payments are we not just prolonging the inevitable that everybody's going to catch this disease at one point and the people that were going to die from it are going to die from it anyways maybe we should all just get together now just go to work get the disease, <laughs> get, the disease get it over with like the chicken <gasps> party right do you ever watch South Park? Yeah. There's an yeah. episode where one of the kids gets chicken pox. And so all the parents get all their kids to go over to the party. Because yeah. part of the theory is that when you get chicken pox later on in life, it's a lot more threatening. Like it can, it affects you differently than when you're a child and you get it, right? Because you're healthier, you can overcome the disease. And then you build an immunity and you don't get it again. So Do you think in like 50 years from now, this is going to be another like 
shot that you have to get in like grade nine so you don't get the yeah probably probably yeah i can probably. see that just another shot yeah that's right because it's but way anyways, too wide for I, it to not for them to not have to do that you know what i mean it's not like it's just fucking it's I like i don't want to talk about that anymore because i feel like my words can already be twisted in a way that seems callous and cold and i'm not cold at all i'm just trying to well no you're being realistic not everybody's gonna yeah. make it up reality but i wanted to say that the reason why they're doing it is because the the backup in the hospitals you know yeah. like there's so much That's backup they mm -hmm. if we had everybody getting it getting the virus yeah like everybody yeah. would just die I think they the experts said treatment. they assume everybody's going to get it, but that's what it is. They need to keep the hospitals kind of as controlled as they can with people yeah, coming in and out. So, Sean, that's what I'm kind of saying. Like, yes, if we did get together, more people would die. That is the reality. But more people might die through the economic turmoil that we are sure to endure. Nathan, like, but that's debt, through all these things. Longer than, yeah, I know, I know. Longer and than. it. And that might not even happen. Like maybe the yeah. government will have, like maybe they've got provisions for this kind of thing. Maybe the people will rally together and this will be a moment where our economic downfall is actually where our so uh, society kind of comes together. You know, people come together in times of calamity. That's a very possibility. I just, I also am somewhat cynical in, in a lot of things that I perceive going on. And so I hope, you know, I, I'm just trying to weigh all the possibilities, the realities, and whatnot. And, I, you know, I'm not saying one thing or the other. It, it is what it is. The government um, is making a decision, and maybe they know better than I do, and they've got a lot of minds on it, a lot of experienced minds. So I, maybe I just need to trust that this is what's best for us right now and That's what focus I was more say. on. And, okay. Go ahead, I just want to say, and focus more on the relational, spiritual, mental aspects, like just trying to promote how we can come out of this in a positive way. Because there are po positive things that can come from it. I think it's about how we react to this situation. So that's what I'll say to that. Well, how you're talking about, like you're saying that, you know, you're not leaning towards any way, like you're pretty open-minded and like, you know like willing to like put your trust in like the government right and that's what i was wanting to say earlier is that i think i'm skept i'm skeptical too right like i'm not somebody who just like normally complies um i usually do the opposite but in a situation like this i'm willing yeah. to like put my pride aside and all my crazy you know theories as much as best as i can to kind of listen to the experts because i don't know what to do in this situation right so i am kind right. of in a sense putting my trust in the government and i think it, it's coming to a point where we kind of all have to and what i'm hoping is that like they don't like what you said take advantage of that um and kind of use yeah, dictatorship that's you people from, not right? complying as an excuse to become yeah. more and more harsh but then again if people aren't complying that kind of does give them a reason to be more harsh. So there's like a really fine balance of like, you know, we have to listen, but they have to not, we have to listen and we have to trust them, but they have to not take advantage of that. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah exactly. It's right? really and, scary. And it's hard to know when they are or what's going on. Like, you know, news seems so, you know, I, like for what it's worth, the, the idea of fake news, like, I do believe it needs to be true because I'll read a news article about one thing from one paper and it'll be completely different in another, right? Like, it's hard to know who to trust and what's actually going on. Like, you don't, I don't know think until it's crazy out of proportion, yeah. right? Like, nobody knew about this coronavirus and it's been the first case was like January 20th. We didn't know yeah. about it until a few weeks ago. Like, that's insane. Yeah, we were in class. Like, think about this. We were together you and i were sitting beside each other in class but when friday what was the date friday march Week, weekend before we found out and you know what that weekend nathan i went to the bar i went to the bar that weekend and yeah. then the following week me too found out that this was a thing and i was like holy crap yeah. that would have been nice to know and like just a few days after 
a few days after we switched because we were in school Friday and then we went to uh, like, then we started doing the online, the, not that Monday, but the following Monday. But we knew that it was going to the platform at about Tuesday or Wednesday because of everything going on. So within like four or five days, the whole situation changed from like, yeah, you can sit together in a classroom to like, uh, if you if you get anywhere near somebody, we're going to tear your effing head off. Like that's yeah. not acceptable anymore, right? You said so that in the class? That progressed. No, no, no. I'm just saying like society's kind of reaction to the social distancing thing. That's something I did want to talk about too. I don't know if you guys are on like uh, Facebook or like, you know, any kind of like social, social media platforms, but I'm seeing a lot of like anger towards anybody who like leaves their house for whatever uh -huh. reason. And, um, you know, one person on my Facebook said that she went out for a walk with her kids and somebody yelled from their wind from their car saying like you irrespond I, I you know I, I'm just paraphrasing here but she was distraught like genuinely distraught because she was out with her kids going for a walk and somebody yelled at her and and that can be emotionally traumatizing for certain people right like to mm -hmm. yell at somebody for going for a walk as being irresponsible and stuff like but this is where it's getting to some people are like and this is where I knew things would get to because this is what the internet does. Like it just hits people up against each other and makes you think that there's only one way of operating. And if you don't do exactly or think exactly like I say, then you're wrong. I can yell at you. I can call you names. I can make shit up and I can just delete you and never have to deal with you again. Right. My you saw, you saw that yeah. as a video on, on Facebook. No, that was a friend of mine, like a close friend, and just relay, like wrote in text this story and, and you know, used emojis and stuff to express how distraught she was. And, and I know her personally, so uh, I, I could hear her tone of voice in it. And I know that she's somebody who gets upset by stuff like that when uh, being confronted with something, especially when you think you're, in, you're not doing anything wrong. And and then, and so she finished her, the, sent the, the story with like, was I wrong? Like, should I not take my kids out? Like, I'm so confused and stuff like that. So like, she's also questioning her own uh, decision-making and, you know, like the reduction of confidence is, is a frightening thing too. Like, you know, we shouldn't, I don't know. There's, I, I'm really worried about the animosity people are going to have coming through this and out of it. and. I don't know. Well, it's new. It's a whole new situation that nobody's experienced before. And it really comes down to people realizing that. And like, you know, if it's only, it's new to us completely. We still have to adjust to it. So if someone, you know, forgets, you know, I forgot the other day I went to London drugs and I was standing over the line that I, within the distance that you're supposed mm. to be standing. Yeah. And the person was like, kind of rude about it. She was like, um, excuse right. me, can you please stand behind the line? And it's like, like I was genuinely sorry. Like I'm totally right. for yeah. I understand the importance of it, but I just simply forgot because this is all new to me and it's new to everyone. And we should be a little bit easier on each other. I think maybe if months from now people are, you know, being dumb about it and it's still important to to do and people aren't doing it, then yes, get angry and call people stupid. But it's, it hasn't been very long and people are still kind of adjusting to it, right? Yeah, I think forgiveness is an important piece, and we're not a very forgiving people. No. Right? Like, we're, I don't know. I, I personally, I don't really care that much. Like, I welcome conflict. It, it kind of um, makes life enjoyable to me when somebody questions my, uh, my decisions, my behavior. If somebody says something like that about the line, I might back up and be like okay but I might also attest to the fact that they're they're the way that they spoke to me they shouldn't be speaking in such a way right like I'm a human being you don't have to be mean to me and uh I don't know I think I think just the fear factor right the the fear of so one thing is the fear of catching the disease and the other is the fear of not embarrassment but like rejection, social rejection, or like the fear of being, um, you know, uh, 
not demeaned, but like looked down upon or like called out or like. I think that could, uh, you know, that's that uncertainty piece, the the worrying and whatnot. Like just the fact, what whatever the reason was for, the fact that in that moment you were worrying, like those things matter. I definitely left any... sooner than I normally would have because I just yeah. didn't want to worry about it anymore. I'm like, I don't want to feel stressed out. I don't want to stress yeah, that's... out. Yeah, exactly that's stress and you're yeah. like just the that the fact that you're saying you don't want the stress like that's your body dealing with stress at that moment yeah. right and so it's too bad that anytime anytime we engage no matter what it is when somebody's near us whether it's from six feet away or how close it is there's always there's a, an additional element of stress surrounding that like whether it's fear of getting the disease or fear that somebody's gonna like uh be upset with this type of interaction or whatnot like or- i felt guilty going to the store today just to buy eyelashes and sweatpants because i'm like this isn't necessary and we're being right. told to only go out for necessary things and then here i am going out to buy eyelashes like you know what i mean like i shouldn't feel yeah. wrong about that but I feel like a lot of people are feeling kind of confused about like just doing everyday normal. I don't personally, I don't really have a problem with that. I think if we just, uh, I think like we need to be forgiving for that kind of stuff. Like in the sense to me, mental health is a big thing. Like I think if we mental, uh, the, um, the mental health piece is just as important as the physical one. Well, how and I so present myself we, makes me feel confident right and it has a lot to do with my self-esteem and like at the end of the day my mental health too right because if I don't look good I don't necessarily feel good about myself so yeah yeah I was gonna say that today I I, that's funny because I was thinking about that for school today uh when we're going over our days I was gonna say oh yeah I'm not having a very good hair day today right Mm -hmm. and just like and just thinking about how your day starts sometimes with just how you see yourself in the mirror and that that can have such a big effect on how you operate so nobody's going out getting their haircuts like actually i i got my mom to cut my hair that's nice well it looks good sean it looks good (laughs) thanks i haven't i've been uh growing a quarantine beard uh maybe i'll start something uh oh thanks yeah it's just starting though but once we come out of quarantine, I'll be like a different man. <laughs> Support. It'll be, uh, it'll be for, it'll be a sign. So anyways, Sean, where should we move from here? I was. I'm feeling a little tired, but. Thinking of wrapping discuss, it up if you wanted to. Yeah. I wouldn't why don't you wrap it up, that. Sean? Yeah. Why don't you finish with a thought, like. Maybe something positive, right? Let's think of something positive to end this Maybe with. Maybe something positive forward. and then something that stood out to you that we talked about. Uh, okay, so don't let fear um, conquer your life. Uh, like You have to focus on the positive out of this whole situation. And where energy goes... Um, your focus goes energy flows that's what i wanted to say that's cool so i like that focus goes energy flows all right that's true and i think if we have a positive mindset then uh then we're going to be a lot happier and you know i i struggle with that that's part of my struggle with mental health is the thoughts i have i have racing thoughts and, and my mind uh doesn't look at something as good or bad there's just all these different pieces to it and means complicated and so um, I find though if I focus on the positives of things it just kind of helps me uh, relate things so I'm gonna place my focus on positive and then that's where my energy is gonna flow it's gonna all be positive from here on out all right Thanks, Santina, for uh, joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was cool. Anytime. Yeah, that was that was cool, Santina. Maybe we'll get you on another time soon. Yeah, I uh, 
I certainly have a lot to say. <laughs> what did you, what did you uh, take out from today? Like, so you've never met Sean before. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations, but uh, how? Didn't, what do didn't you really think go about? In, didn't really go into about? the backlog of my, um, like who I am and all that stuff. But we'll talk about that next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll I thought have it was really cool again. how you were talking about like your schizophrenia. I felt like that's something. I think that we should talk about that more. Like we should maybe talk about mental health a bit more. I think that we'd have like some really good conversations about that. All right, sounds good. Yeah. Good. All right, um, let's wrap this up. I'm just stay okay. here. I'm just gonna end okay. the podcast. So. All right. Later, people. Bye bye. Later.